Welcome to a special Easter edition of The Notice Podcast. I'm Susan Hookstra, your host. O sacred head, now wounded, with grief and shame weighed down, now scornfully surrounded with thorns, thine only crown. 4,800 months, 146,000 days. 8,760,000 hours of silence. Did you know that was how long God was silent between the Old and New Testaments? Some scholars also say there was about 2,000 years between Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, which means God was also silent in the scriptures then. And with Holy Week upon us, and we think about Good Friday and Easter Sunday, Does anybody know what happened to Jesus on Holy Saturday? Scriptures don't tell us much about that either. Friends, sometimes I wonder just what God is up to. It seems as if during these silent, inactive times, God isn't doing anything. I know it's only human for us to want details, but when God doesn't tell us everything, do we assume he's not noticing us at all? Or could something be happening behind the scenes that we're not aware of? So maybe instead of calling these inactive times, perhaps it's a transition of sorts. Webster describes transitions as the process or period of changing from one state or condition to another. Although transition involves change, this definition leads us to believe that transitions aren't the change. Transitions lead to change. It's the bridge between the old and the new. Well, as you all know, life is full of transitions. Think about when you graduate, got a new job, got married, had a baby, or moved to a new house. Of course, these are exciting changes, and there's some changes that aren't so exciting. But there's a space between the old and new that makes us feel unsteady. It makes us wonder what God is busy doing. For example, Right now at work, I'm having to to learn three new university-wide systems. These new systems will make recording keeping procedures more accessible electronically. I'm excited about the possibilities this new technology will bring. It's a much needed change. However, before experiencing the good parts of the change, I have to go through a huge learning curve, which will take me more time to do ordinary tasks. I found myself dreading the extra time it will take. And guess what my first inclination was, my first response? To complain. I guess I'm not that much different than the Israelites. After being in Egypt for 400 years, God's people left for the promised land. They were so glad to no longer be slaves and couldn't wait to get to the promised land Moses described, which was their change. But their unmet passions, unfulfilled appetites, and fears controlled them. They grumbled about not having any food or water. They grumbled about their enemies. They questioned God's character and forgot his provisions. Even though they saw the mighty hand of God deliver them along the way, they still floundered in the transition. Is there a transition you're grumbling through? Is it because somehow God isn't noticing you during these times? As we embark on Holy Week, I can't help but think of the transitions Jesus went through in just one week. See, on Palm Sunday, we mark Jesus' triumphal entry where Jesus is worshipped as the Messiah. 
Yet just five days later, he was crucified for claiming to be the Messiah. Talk about a change. During the week, on Monday, the disciples cleansed the temple. On Wednesday, Jesus gave the Olivet Discourse, which is a name given to the orderly and extended teaching he gave at the Mount of Olives about the end times. Thursday was the infamous Last Supper. Here's where Jesus came face to face with the changes to come. After dinner, Jesus spent time talking and praying with his 11 remaining disciples. Leaving the upper room, the group went to a place outside the city of Jerusalem across the Kindron Valley called the Mount of Olives. They settled in a peaceful garden surrounding an olive grove, stood nestled on the mount, called the Garden of Gethsemane. Its name comes from the Hebrew Gat Shemen, meaning olive press. When they arrived, Jesus asked his disciples to wait and keep watch as he prayed. In great anguish, Jesus prayed he would not have to suffer the horror he knew waited just ahead. See, he knew change was coming. In his dichotomous state, we see how Jesus responded to this transition as both a human and as God. At first he said, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. This statement showed his humanity. I often wonder what he must have felt as he processed what was ahead. Andrew Lloyd Webber's musical, Jesus Christ Superstar, offers a scene that involves a powerful song describing what Jesus might have experienced in the garden. Take a few minutes and listen to this during the Holy Week. I think you'll find it extremely meaningful. The ironic thing is, Jesus had the power to ask the Father for help. Jesus could have prayed to the Father asking for maybe 12 legions of angels to protect and deliver him. At that time, a legion is the primary unit of the Roman army, consisting of 3,000 to 6,000 infantry troops and 100 to 200 cavalrymen. So 12 legions of angels might amount to 72,000 angels or more. This was definitely more than enough to wipe off all the enemies of Christ. But Jesus didn't exercise that option. He did not pray for angelic intervention. Instead, after expressing his human response, he says, Yet not my will, but yours be done. He willingly drank the cup which his father had given him. Friends, he drank that cup for us. O sacred head, now wounded. If I were to tell you about one of my biggest transitions, I'm going to tell you it would pale in comparison to Jesus. It may be helpful to consider that Jesus was both God and human, so he did need to express the anguish he felt from the human side. But as God, he actually knew what was going to happen. Thankfully, in our transition times, we don't always know what's going to happen. Sometimes I wonder if this could be God's way of protecting us. Do we really need to know everything? Because if we don't, this builds our faith and our trust in him. And I've grown to realize that though God doesn't reveal everything to us, he is actually most active in moments of instability like this. Friends, God sees transitions as the pathway to transformation. So maybe it's something like this. Change produces transitions, and transitions produce transformations. That is, if we let it. 
Stephen Furchick, pastor of Elevation Church, tells us, Sometimes God will delay your promise in transition because he's still scrubbing out your perspective. So as we reflect on the Garden of Gethsemane, what we know and what we don't know, is there part of your perspective that needs to be altered, that needs to be transformed? The great thing I love about the Easter story is that it's a beautiful transition from death to life, from old to new, from transition to transformation. Although we aren't entirely sure what happened to Jesus between Friday and Sunday, perhaps God doesn't meet our expectations because he actually wants to exceed them. Friends, without the resurrection, our faith is meaningless. Without life, we don't overcome death. So this Holy Week, ask yourself, what are you going to cling to? Are you ready to let go of that something old in order to embrace that something new? Are you fighting the transformation in the transition? In closing, recently I came across an old poem I hadn't read in years. May it be a reminder that in these transition times, God is taking notice He not only understands your humanity, but he also encourages you to remember he's working behind the scenes, working on things you cannot see. One night, I dreamed a dream as I was walking along the beach with my Lord. Across the dark sky flashed scenes from my life. For each scene, I noticed two sets of footprints in the sand, one belonging to me and one to my Lord. After the last scene of my life flashed before me, I looked back at the footprints in the sand. I noticed that at many times along the path of my life, especially at the very lowest and saddest times, and maybe even transitions, there was only one set of footprints. This really troubled me, so I asked the Lord about it. Lord, you said once I decided to follow you, you'd walk with me all the way but I noticed that during the saddest and most troublesome times of my life, there was only one set of footprints. I don't understand why, when I needed you the most, you would leave me. He whispered, My precious child, I love you and will never leave you. Never ever during your trials and testings. When you saw only one set of footprints, it was then I carried you. May you experience the transformational power of transition as you celebrate the change of Easter.